Hey, well, my name is Johnny Artavanis, and I'm sitting here with two men that I tremendously respect, and I'm so thankful for the friendship with both of you guys. I'm sitting here with Pastor Harry Walls and Pastor John MacArthur, and we're talking and discussing the Master's Fellowship. Pastor John, I wanted to ask you just to tell us a little bit more about your relationship with Harry Walls and the friendship that you guys have had throughout the years. Uh, yeah, it, it goes back to when you first came to the Master's College. I don't even remember 1985. what. 1985. to kind of work with athletes and be a, a kind of dean of men. And uh, um, he was from out of my world. He had come from Liberty University and been through seminary and uh, ended up at the Master's College. Little did we know then, Harry, the decades of ministry and friendship we'd have. But uh, we hit it off right away, both a couple of wide receivers in, oh, yeah. in football in our college days and passion for the Word of God and preaching and teaching and shepherding people. So um, I was I was drawn and attracted to Harry on a personal level at that point and his wife, Karen. And a um, few years went by and the Lord called him to Birmingham, Alabama to be an associate pastor at Shades Mountain Independent Church. And, um, you know, I felt like it was a huge loss to us and obviously miss him as a friend, but uh, he asked me to come down and kind of install him and I did that. And then how many years later, 27 yeah. years later, you were ready to, to leave after all those 27 years and I came down and gave the goodbye message. Uninstalled, uninstalled. <laughs> and uh, all in those intervening years, we, we, we communicated in some ways together and I had him out a number of times. I still remember your sermons from Proverbs that you gave in chapel during those years when you'd come out to the Truth and Life Conference. And uh, we just kept a heart connection. And um, when we had an opportunity to get him back yeah. to be campus pastor at the Masters University, I, I jumped on that. And that's been an incredible blessing. Mm. Harry, talk just about your relationship. Yeah, so from my side of it, I had uh, discovered... John MacArthur through my roommate who had cassette tapes, spiritual boot camp, um, uh, sin, God, evil. I forget the name Real of this. clever titles. Yeah. Well, it was, <laughs> I butchered it, but it was, <laughs> but it, it's the first I'd ever heard teaching and preaching like that. I didn't know John MacArthur at all. Listened to those cassettes and did like many have done. And I'm a seminary student, so I want to learn to study and teach the Bible. And I had heard someone teach it in a way that that's how I want to teach it. That's what I want to be in the future. And so um, a guy had come back. John had just become the president of the Master's College and sent a colleague, Russell Moore, uh, who was assisting him either in that transition or part of Grace Church's staff, back to Liberty, Cedarville, and Moody to do some exploring about student life, philosophy, function. And uh, providentially, Russ and I met. I taught a Bible class. Russ taught for me. We hit it off. He's athletic. We had a lot in common. Played quarterback in college. And uh, we just instantly connected. And long story short, he invited me to come out and consider serving with him at the master's college and that was attractive to me not so much because of the college alone but the opportunity to be in association with john 
and to be in proximity where I could learn. So I came out, we actually even played three-on-three basketball during my interview visit and uh, connected. And uh, I came out to really both serve at the university and, or the college at that time, establishing with Russ and a gal by the name of Betty Price, student life philosophy. But the bigger idea was to sit in, in proximity to and learn under a guy that was doing what I wanted to do in a way I wanted to do it. And he was the best at what I wanted to be. That's how I like to say it. And I did not know that I would enjoy friendship and fellowship. And as he said, it was uh, special, precious. And then I went to Alabama and I sought his guidance and, and he did install me. He coached me through the years and, uh, invited me to be on the board back in the year 2000. So 15 years, I was back and forth. We saw each other. Um, and any time I had a question or an issue that I really needed perspective on, that was the call. You had some really tough I issues did. when you got there that you, you were shocked to find out. I mean, some serious issues, morality issues and I remember those yes. conversations as yeah. you as a really an associate pastor were trying to navigate through all of this stuff. And those were intense conversations with pretty serious potential yeah. outcomes. And those were times when I needed to hear from you and you needed to hear from me. That, that's when the friendship took on a completely critical character because he was trying to draw out of me the experience that I had had that he could apply in a situation that could could go a lot of directions and, yeah, and they true. weren't all good. So I think that that creates a friendship at a deeper level yeah. than just, you know, talking doctrine or theology. When you're wrestling with a brother to help him navigate a very difficult time, that's where we really come together to help each other. And I think, too, John had communicated to me, and I don't know the specific ways, but I, I'm here to help. I'm, I'm committed to helping. And I didn't hesitate to call. And I felt like I had that privilege and benefited from life and experience and perspective. And I think anybody who knows him knows he has the ability to take the complex and boil it down to some simple, hey, Think about this and let this define the direction you take. And you don't forget those things. And they're priceless at the time. And they're, they're just super valuable in terms of navigating. I'm, I'm a young pastor. And uh, to benefit from that relationship, like a big brother. You know, you just, he's out ahead of me. I'm learning, I'm listening, and then I'm seeking guidance. Yeah. Well, it's neat to hear just the brief history of your guys' friendship. Pastor John, I've heard you say in the past, there's obviously the duty to preach and to shepherd your church, but talk briefly just about the richness and the joy of friendships in ministry that allow pastors to be sustained in what they're doing and also just the danger of being without those types of rich friendships. Yeah, um, might surprise people to hear, but um, preaching is the least demanding thing I do. Um, on a Sunday, I, I preach a couple times, maybe two times in the morning and once at night through the years. So that's three hours of doing that. 
The rest is living my life. Obviously, a lot of it is spent in the preparation, and that takes some level of isolation to do that. But I would go so far as to say, what makes my life joyful and meaningful is not the preaching. Personally, it's the study of the Word of God. But next to the study of the Word of God, the joy of my life has to do with relationships. It starts with Patricia and my kids and my grandkids, and now I'm getting acquainted with great-grandkids. But my joy in ministry is being with those of like precious faith. Um, This is what makes life rich. I get up every day, and I, I am thrilled if I know that I get to spend that day with various people who are part of my life in ministry because that fellowship is that precious to me. And I, I wouldn't ever want, maybe that's why the Lord never let me be a pastor of a small church out in the country. I'd go crazy. I need the, the richness of that fellowship. I need uh, to express love and have love expressed. I, I, I need to serve. I, relationships are everything. And I, I think a pastor loses a ton of joy in ministry and will show up in his ministry if he doesn't have those kinds of friendships. So if, if, you, if you don't have them around you because your organization is big or your church is big, you've got to find them and you've got to cultivate them because they are the things that make your life rich and joyful, productive, helpful. They, uh, they compel your prayer life. They compel your wisest counsel. They, they, they carry your burdens for you and with you. They are the richest thing about ministry. Harry, talk about just the danger of operating in isolation without the richness of that friendship that Pastor John mentioned. Yeah, I like to say accountability is the friend of integrity. And the best kind of accountability is caring brotherhood. Guys who know you well enough, uh, you enjoy enough trust with where they can say things that need to be said um, when it needs to be said. Um, And the absence of that isolation it's deceiving. It's, it, it, it comes off as if I have no accountability when in fact I do have it first with God who sees everything, the old, the evil, and the good. Um, but it deludes you into thinking that you are not accountable or responsible. It also exposes you to the idea that I'm alone. So it's not just that I don't have accountability, but I am by myself. And so isolation can diminish your self-awareness because you're not engaged with people. Someone said, and I like it, so I say it a lot, the gift you can't give yourself is perspective. (laughs) You, You need other people to help you see what you can't see. Pride, by definition, is blinding. You're in a cloud of self-delusion, misperception. It's not that you want to be, you just are. And you need allies to help you see what you can't see, help you do what you may not be inclined to do. And the upside of uh, fellowship to me is the, and, and certainly feel this with John, is the, the quality, the character, the, the modeling is stimulating. Like, I want to be a better student of the Bible. I want to be a better shepherd. I I want to be a better preacher and communicator because someone's around me that's better than me. 
and it, it, it elevates you. Um, and here in this ministry and in the fellowship that I enjoy at this church, it's not just John, there's lots of guys that provoke that in me. And I think that's what gets lost. You don't get stimulated and you don't get protected. You lose that element of being a lifelong learner, as I've often heard you said, without those friendships. Is that right? Yeah. And I, I think, I mean, I, I, I know that I need to grow. Yeah. And having guys around me and with me helps me grow. Yeah. And I, and I think it's very different, say, than a parole officer. Yeah. That's a level of accountability that somebody holds you to somebody you have no relationship with. The most compelling external force on me is my love for you and you because I don't want to disappoint you. It's, it's my love for the people around me that has the greatest amount of external pressure on me to be the man of God that I need to be. It isn't, you, you got to win the battle on the inside but the battle on the inside is aided when you love enough not to sacrifice your integrity and crush somebody who trusted you. That's really very important. So I just want to make the point that this isn't about every time you meet some guy's got to confront you. Yeah. Every time you meet somebody has to ask you, did you do this? Did you do that? Yeah. It's not that. It's the, it's the compulsion of a genuine affection that says, I, I don't want to do anything that disappoints the one that I care about. Yeah. And you've talked, Pastor John and Harry, just about the richness of that friendship. But I'm also aware, and you've told me this in conversations, and you mentioned this already, that ministry isn't always smooth sailing. So Pastor John, talk about the need for this type of friendship in the midst of suffering, and even what you've seen over 50 plus years of ministry. Yeah, I think the most comforting thing about suffering that you'll ever hear is somebody else is going through it, <laughs> right? Uh, I, I've never found anybody who can heal my suffering. I've, I've, I don't, I've never found a miracle worker who could say, oh, hey, here, here's a formula. You won't suffer anymore. What I need in suffering is the sense that I'm not alone, mm -hmm. that this is not a journey that others haven't taken. And I think I love what the Apostle Paul said when he talked about wanting to identify with the fellowship of Christ's sufferings. You need, a, you need a companion in your pain. You need a companion in your suffering. And it isn't that, it's like Job's friends, it isn't that they have some theological thing to say to you. Maybe it's love and prayers and, and perspective, right? Yes. Taking an angle that you didn't see because you're in the middle of it and you don't see it. Life is tough and ministry is really tough because you face not only what the devil's trying to do in your life, but what he's doing in everybody else's life in your church. And you've got to navigate through all of this and, and see, be the instrument that God uses to sanctify them. That, that is a daunting responsibility and disappointment is a reality in that. Uh, I'm, I'm disappointed with people uh, when I, you know, you're dealing with a couple for maybe 10 years and they get a divorce and you say, wait a minute, where did all that teaching, all that discipleship go? Or you're discipling a guy for two years and all of a sudden he walks away from the faith. And um, you, you really are never intended to bear those burdens alone. You, you cast them on the Lord and that's fine. And we do that. But at the same time, knowing somebody else has been there 
This is really, really helpful. Somebody who cares about me is holding me up in prayer. Somebody I can talk to about those things, get, as Sari said, a, a better perspective. I don't think the Lord intended us to struggle by ourselves. Well, I also think that when you know someone is genuinely concerned for you, it's strengthening to your heart. Um, being able to reach out and have someone genuinely sympathize and, and carry that load. Yeah. As John just said, you're not alone. And when you're in relationship and people who care for you voice and evidence that support, it's soul strengthening. Yeah. Um, whether it's ministry, uh, John said it, and, and I would certainly say it if he didn't say it, is ministry is more hard days than banner triumphant days. And sustainability in ministry, in my view, is directly related to the strength of the relationships of those around you. And if they are strong, stuff's going to go on out here. Yeah. Church is going to go up, church is going to go but But these relationships, they're the core and the bedrock, the foundation, the strength that I draw on and frankly find life-giving. Yeah. Um, I can't measure it by the good sermon I preach or the good you know, growth that is occurring or the, the obvious blessings. It's, it's got to be the strength of the team I'm with or the brothers I serve with because that's sustaining. Longevity is tied to that. And otherwise, you're alone. And you bear it alone. So suffering, physical ministry, whatever the challenge might be, together, it's better. Yep. My last question for you two men is talk about the need for fellowship and brotherhood in the midst of a changing evangelical landscape and why what we're talking about right now so crucial to the church moving forward, Pastor John. Yeah, and that's really the the motive behind the Master's Fellowship. It's not only that you're struggling in your church, but these pastors spread out all over the place are trying to navigate the culture. They're trying to understand the evangelical sifting and shifting, and they need a sort of senior guy who's been around and who reads what's going on, maybe has more experience at discernment to help them navigate these things, especially when they're young. So we were obviously as a as an independent university and an independent seminary, we don't, we don't have a formal denomination or a formal network, but we have a network of like precious faith guys. Shepherds Conference is kind of homecoming every year for the thousands of guys that identify with us. And that event is, is like a huge celebration. You probably have never been in one location where there are so many happy pastors who are happy when they're here and go home and are sad because they go back into trials. And how do you, how do you give them that joy that they find in the fellowship here when they get back, well, we've got to connect them together. So that's what's behind this. Um, as we've already talked about, it's tough to be alone and you need friends in ministry that you can enjoy a deep friendship with. And again, I, I don't want to say this is some kind of psychological thing. It's really everything that a friendship 
with affection yeah. built around the Word of God should be. We wanted to find a way to make that available to the men who look to us for, for help and leadership. Mm -hmm. And I think, too, the challenges that are happening in our culture now are nuanced, complicated, and never been here before. So having trusted, and I, that's a key word, trusted voices weigh in to help navigate these uncharted waters is very, very crucial to finding convictions and biblical applications that advance the kingdom of God and lead the people of God in ways that are productive and healthy. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, by having a community, it, it's one thing to have people's opinions. There's lots of opinions. You know, on the internet, everybody and their brother has an opinion. But when you have perspectives given from trusted voices, other pastors, men you trust, it's a different kind of benefit. I don't have to, to, to shy away from or wonder if I'm not, I'm not reticent. I'm anxious. Tell me what you think. I trust you. As a sounding board. Right. And I'm trying to find my way. And the circumstance that John might be in might be different than the one I'm in. Yeah. But he can help me think my way through my context. Because every church isn't Grace Church. Yeah. Um, but the principles are similar. And I'm borrowing on experience and wisdom and biblical knowledge. And, and I, don't, I, 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 I can hear it because I'm not afraid to receive it. I trust it. And so I think the fellowship for me, the common convictions, is a foundation of trust that allows me to benefit from a larger voice of community. If someone is listening and saying, well, what's the strategy? What's the tactic? This seems a little vague. The answer is it's relational. We're not talking about a strategy. We're not talking about a formula. We're talking about building strong personal relationships with men who are doing what you're doing, who can be strength to you. So it, there's not a, not a sheet we can give you and say, follow these 10 steps and you can be a part of this thing. Uh, we're not asking for anything more than to provide an opportunity to build relationships with the men that do what you do, where you do it, close to you, so that you can draw strength from each other. Yeah, And that's what brotherhood does. It yeah. sustains, supports, strengthens one another so that ultimately we be able to move forward and impact the church and the world uh, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, Pastor Harry, Pastor John, you guys are special to me and a tremendous example to me. So I'm thankful just for the conversation to be able to sit down with you both. 